Well, hey, I'm excited about tonight. Um, I'm going to touch a little bit on a message to get to somewhere that I really feel like the Lord wants to do tonight on, and what if, a what if message I preached a couple years ago, but it's just to set something up because one of the questions I have is for tonight is what if God, what if you were truly transformed for a purpose? What if you were truly transformed for a purpose and you actually believed it? You actually believed it and walked it out in your life. For instance, like uh, take a football player, like Dave Hornberger played football, and, he, and if, if he was a receiver, his purpose was to catch the ball. If the quarterback threw him the ball and he just sat there like this, he's not walking in his purpose. If a swimmer here is to swim and compete in the 100-meter swim and jumps in and just starts dog paddling, you would, we'd laugh at him. Or if a, a track guy is doing the 100-meter run and decides to skip, for 100 yards. We'd laugh at them because that's not their purpose. When they step up to the line, when they step into the game, there's a purpose on their life. There's, a, there's something they have to accomplish, and there's no different with us. You were born with a purpose, and what I want to talk about tonight is what if you were born with a purpose and you actually believed it? What would your life look like on a daily basis? Because it's easy to, you know, I wrote down from, my, from the last message is, it's easy to what if with the devil. You've heard me say this before. Something comes up and, well, what if this goes wrong? Well, what if this happens? Well, I have this bump. What if it's cancer? Um, my son grabbed a beer. What if he's an alcoholic? We take the worst scenarios and what if with the devil all day long? What if I ask this girl to marry me and she's not the one? What if I have kids and mess them up? How many of you have what if with the devil in every circumstance in your life? And if you haven't raised your hand, you're lying. <laughs> because that's our natural bent is to get out of faith and what if with the devil of all the bad things that can happen in my life. And here we are in this season where where God sent his son to die for us. It's something that we live for, we celebrate, we're joyful. But we what if with the devil, what if 2018 is not, like, is not any better than 2017? What if this new year isn't the season of new beginnings? What if my sons and daughters don't grow up to know God at a young age? Are these processes that you get in at the end of the year to see and start whatever? But I want to challenge you, as in my last message, to what if with God? What if he is the way, the truth, and the life? What if all things are possible? What if I will be with you always? What if that was true in your life and you believed it? See, he gives us a choice. We can what if and get in doubt and unbelief and fear and condemnation. And that's the what if with, with the devil. Or we can understand and say the words, I am. And we can get in faith and walk in faith in who we are as sons and daughters of God. And it changes our, com our complete posture as we enter a situation. You can, you can tell when someone's coming in asking for prayer if they actually expect God to show up and say who he says he is. And they will hold the Bible and say, I believe every word of this. And they walk up condemned, thinking, Lord, 
Am I the one you're not going to heal? Am I the one that you're not going to provide provision for? I am always the one that, fill in the blank. People walk up here from prayer all the time. And they're what if I'm with the devil the whole way up instead of saying, what if this is my time? What if this is where God's going to reach out and touch me and change my life forever? What if he's going to give me words of knowledge I've never had before or, 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 or prophetic utterances? What if he's going to give me my prayer language? What if he's going to heal my father? What if he's going to come in and bring my son back to me? All these things. What if he actually is my provider? That when we're getting in here and we have bills to pay, coming into Christmas, everybody needs something, everybody wants something. What if he is my provider? What if he does, I love that word from Sarah, what if he does want you to fulfill the dream he had from you when you were created? You think he created you hoping you'd fail? It's funny to think that way, but that's the way we live our lives sometimes. Like, he created me to fail, and he wants me to fail. He's up there playing whack-a-mole. Every time I get up, he's going to whack me down. And I want to change our posture on this and that we can actually what if with God. The what if drives, drives us to world solutions, world's counsel and self. Not just with problems, but also with our money, our time, and our possessions. If we what if with the devil, we will be stingy. We what if with the devil, we will take our problems to the world for the solutions. If we what if with the devil, we will not seek counsel, we will seek allies for our problems. But if we what if with God, we can dream with the biggest dreamers in here. We can say, what if God does this? What if 15 years comes to life on Friday, last Friday? What if, what if that this job that I'm looking for is the next best thing and God wants me to be the one out of 100 applicants? What if this year you get a raise when you don't expect it or a bonus you weren't expecting or the bonus actually was bigger than you thought? Can you what if with God and dream with God to say, God, what is it you want to do in my life? What is it that you want to bring into my life to end 2017, to usher me into 18? And I would think for a while there, he's going to say, why don't you what if with me for 18 and put the 18, 17 behind you? Because I tell you what, an expectant person, it's amazing what happens to your faith. How many of you have had a challenging 17? How many of you have not had a challenging 17? Raise your hand. If you haven't, have not had a challenge, awesome. Praise God. That's what I want. If you, haven't had, if you haven't had one, God, hey, let's testify to that. Connect yourself to that. Testify because it is good. You find someone that had a great 17, boom, attach, faith. Let it, let's that person pray for you. But if you've had a challenge in 17, I want to encourage you to what if with God for a while. Because I tell you what, when I what if with God, my dreams get bigger. They don't get smaller. The I am, when it drives us to the cross, where we find our intimacy, it connects us to people. When we're going to the I am and we're what if and with God, it connects us to people. To find our identity reveals our purpose and ushers in our destiny. See, we all have, I hate using this term universal, but it's just a collective, a universal calling, right? We all have this universal calling. And then we have a specific purpose. Universal calling. How many, I mean, you could quote the verses, right? The Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will what? Be with you always. 
He has given us this calling as when Christ comes into us, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, all this comes into us. Everything that he is, we are. We love because he loved us first. Then, he's, then what else? Universal calling. We can heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Everyone gets to play in that game. Every one of you gets to play in that game. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are not eliminated from that game. So you are to make disciples of all nations. You are to cleanse, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Isn't that exciting? One heck of a universal calling. And guess what? We all get to do that together. We all get to do that together. There's no superstars. When people come up thinking that something up here has, is in us that's not in you, that's wrong thinking. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in all of us, and even in our children, in the children's church. That if we think anything else, then we have wrong thinking, because God said, no, I'm going to pour my spirit on all flesh in Joel. And then it came to happen when Peter gave the sermon on the mount, I mean the sermon right after Pentecost. And he came out and changed the world forever, because what happened? We got empowered to live this life, this universal calling of raising the dead. We always just say, heal the sick. I want to see the dead raised in my lifetime. Everyone else saw it. They read it in the Bible. Why don't we want, I want to see it. I want to see death conquered because of the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. So when I, when I focus on those things, those universal callings, I could get excited. In addition to those two things, what? We're here to love, serve. These are things we're all called to do as, as believers. Love, serve, be generous. All those things. Everyone gets to play in those games and no one is exempt. None one of you is exempt from anything that I just said. And that, that should be exciting to you. You're not exempt. Everyone plays. It's like being on a baseball team where all 18 people get to play. Or a football team where all 53 people get to play. Of course, there's only 12 on the field, but everybody wants to play. This is a game everybody plays. And when you understand that, that this universe calls for you, then you'll better understand specifically what you're called to do with that. Because the specific calling that you have on your life, whatever that is, and I don't know what it is. I know some of you because I spent so much time with you and I've built relationships with you. So I know the calling on your life. And most of the people that know me well know the calling on my life. But it doesn't happen without the first, without getting transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, without walking in community, right? Without understanding that we're here to disciple nations, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out demons. I mean, those are the things that he's called us to do, and it helps us understand what we're, our purpose is. That's to, <laughs> Look at Galatians 2.20. Don't go there with me, but... But just write it down because it's something that Kelly, one of my favorite messages Kelly preached. If we can see him as he truly is today and him living his life through us, it'll change us forever. Who is he today? Galatians 2.20 says, It's not I that live, that I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I that live, that Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Of the Son of God, that we have the faith of Jesus. When, when Holy Spirit's in us, it puts everything in us to have the faith of the Son of God. And so this allows us to walk out our life and do the things that we think are impossible. That's why they call them supernatural. 
That's why he says, I'm going to help you do the impossible. That's why people are actually in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, because they did the impossible. And if you believe you can do the impossible, you're on, your right, you're on the right journey. Because once you think you can't do the impossible, we fall. My favorite example, let's talk about Peter. How many of you love Peter? I mean, he's just like, he's like my dude. I mean, here's a guy that can get angry and cut off a, a guy's ear, which is kind of right up my alley. And, you know, at, at the same time, you know, I know Dave back there, he's played basketball with me. He's seen me get angry. I said, you can one time get out there and, and be angry, but then at the same time, he moves mountains, right? He moves mountains and tells people how it is and how the cow eats the cabbage. I mean, you've got to love a guy like that. And so turn with, I want you to turn to uh, Matthew 14, but I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Peter. In John 6, that's the big, that's the, uh, um, that's one of those times where Peter was, I'm, I'm going to read it for you just so we have it. And then y'all turn to Matthew 14. In John 6, he says, um, where am I going here? There he says, he said, um, right after he said, those that eat of my flesh and drink of my blood will not be with me. And Simon Peter answered said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is kind of the, the who Peter is kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that says, I believe who you are. I believe everything about you, but I'm really going to mess up on the way. I, any of you like that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I believe you're the son of God. I believe everything about you. I'll die for you, but I'm going to really mess up on the way. And that's probably why I like Peter so much because I relate to him so much. But, um, but if you turn to Matthew 14, I want to read something with you um, right toward the end. I'm going to get start on verse uh, 29. This is right when they saw Jesus walking on the water, and in 28, and Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it be you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, say that, seeing the wind, he became afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately he stretched out his hand and took him, hold of him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Most of, the lesson, most of this is always when it's preached, it's focused, the main focus of the lesson is that he failed. That he failed, he doubted, he saw his circumstances, which we can, we're going to walk out of here at night full of faith. And then tomorrow morning you're all going to do something and you're going to be forced to deal with your circumstances just like Peter did. Because that's what happened. It's like, man, don't you love Peter? The 11 probably shivered like, I mean, I'm not getting out of the boat. Peter goes, I'm in, jumps out of the boat. That's why I love Peter so much. I mean, he's just like, get me in. And the other 11, what do you think they were thinking that stayed in the boat? Fearful. There's always the 11 saying, oh, Peter, that's water. You're going to sink. He's going, no. He said, come, I'm coming. It's just like, yahoo. I can see him almost wanting to do it like a cannonball. Like, it's, I'm going to hit solid ground because he says I am. But then we wake up on a Monday morning and our circumstances come. We were so faithful just 12 hours earlier. 
This is what this story is talking about, the lesson of this, like, we get there and we see our circumstances and we start sinking back into our life and not understanding. And it gets us so off the rails that we, we got to kind of hurry up for the next Sunday to get this shot of, shot of faith. And that's not what he intended. He intended us to be able to walk on that water, to walk in our community. He actually intended for the 11 to join them so they could walk together. But faith makes the impossible possible. It's almost like we use this story as an excuse for our lack of faith and trust. Well, Peter did it. I have. I mean, you know, I don't know how many times it come out of my mouth. Well, Paul, you know, he stoned people. Peter fell. But there's a life out there that God's saying is supernatural for all of us to grasp and get. And that's where we're going to find our dreams. It's like 15 years. Who would have given up when the veil's this thin on Friday at 9.30 in the morning when, when Camilla got to come home? How many of us have quit right before the thin veil we're going to pull down heaven into our circumstances and into our situation and change it forever because we said, I can't do it anymore? How many of us have done that, waiting on our destiny and missed out or delayed? I don't know if I believe we can actually miss out, but I tell you what, we can delay what God wants to do in our life. And he's saying, come on. And he's just saddle whipping you, going, come on, you can do this. He said, I'll be with you always. And he is, and he's just going, come on, look through the veil. I'm sitting right here. And he keeps pushing and pushing us out there, going, come on. It's like a goad saying, it's right here. Don't be afraid. And so when Peter finally started sinking, he just said, why do you want me to perish? I mean, the, the guy that created him, the guy he would die for. Look at chapter 16. I mean, remember, the Bible's not spoken to us all at once. You all understand that, right? It's not this huge story that comes, everything comes at us at once. And so it's spoken to us, and you have to take in context and timing and who's saying it and who they're saying it to. So just look at two verse, two chapters down, which could have been, I didn't even measure this, but it could have been two weeks, three weeks, month and a half. Peter, in, in chapter 16, says this, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He sank in water two chapters earlier. And now they fed 4,000. He saw the healing of the multitudes between that, and he was taught between tradition and commandment. And something shifted again. Only four more, about seven more chapters down, he's going to deny Christ three times. Are y'all with me here? That in the midst of us believing God, we're going to have those times of doubt. But that's when brothers and sisters come around. That's when brothers and sisters are going to remind us who we are. That's when brothers and sisters come around and say, no. Because, I mean, what we don't see is what was going on behind the scenes after that. Was John coming to Peter? Was Matthew going to Mark? Hey, we can stay in this thing, man. We got to stay in this game. You know, our, our guy's dead, but he says he's going to rise. Don't leave. Don't leave. The big thing's about to happen. He said, go and tarry, go and wait. And power will come from him on high. How long do we wait? As long as it takes. He said not, he's never said not long. And they waited up in the room, right, in prayer, together, encouraging one another, scared because everyone wanted to find him and kill him. And they came together, circled up in this room going, it's going to happen. The adoption's going to happen. 
The breakthrough in your company is going to happen. We just got to tarry and pray and get together. And this is what they did for us. Because he said, I'm going to, fire is going to come down from heaven. And I'm going to use it to transform the world. And I'm going to use you to do it. They could have said, oh, I don't want to risk my life. It's hard. That's why I love Anna's message last week. It's hard. It's hard to stay in prayer when nothing's happened and my circumstances beat me up. It's hard. Yeah. But look what happened. Look what happened on the other side of that. The best message Peter ever preached. Thousands came to know the Lord. Holy Spirit spread. The gospel spread like no other time in history. And that's the history. That's the new history I want to see happen here. I want to see it happen here. And so Peter, you know, here he was. He, what I want to see, I want to read um, 14 again, but I want to read it like Joey wrote it. And you talk about Peter. He said, is this you, Lord? He said, yes, come. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat. This is my version. And he got out of the boat. He started walking, walking to the water, walking on the water. He saw the waves and splashed and kicked through them. He saw a shark and laughed at him. He saw, he heard the 11 on the boat mock him and kept walking. Then he stood next to Jesus, went like this, turned back to the boat and said, who's next? Because who's going to be the next one out of the boat when they see something supernatural happen? I want to be the man that gets out of the boat. I want to be the man that understands that if I can get out of the boat and walk on water, that I can take you, you, and you, you with me. Because the same thing is the spirit that lies inside of me and the faith that lies inside of me to allow me to walk on water is the same one that lies in you. That where I go, we can all go together. Where you go, we can all go together. You tracking with me? Because I tell you what, to get out of that boat and to be able to turn around and see the supernatural become natural here is something that I think God wants to see. And somehow there's this mechanism of faith that says it has to take faith because the doubt makes us sink. Faith makes us walk. And then when people see faith, what does that do? Build their faith. Because that's why I firmly believe that if he would not have doubted and made it to Jesus, this is just Joey's interpretation, that if he would have made it to Jesus and turned around and said, who's next, they would have been fighting to get out of the boat. Because they now they saw it done. They saw it done by an ordinary person. What, what, one of the biggest things, when I went to Ethiopia, I laid hands on a, on, a, on a lady that's been down on her back like this her whole life and watched her raise up. What gave me the faith of that is probably watching Kelly uh, lay hands on a, on a uh, baby that had uh, spinal bifida get healed in Austin, Texas. We see when you see God move through somebody and say, that's an ordinary person with an ordinary, with an ordinary life, with a supernatural God, that you can actually look and say, well, if, he, if, if God can use that person to do it, then he can use me. What is that component? Are you willing to get out of the boat? Are you willing to walk, kick the waves, laugh at the sharks? Because tomorrow morning is Monday morning, and they're swimming. They're swimming. And your circumstances are going to wake up, and the first thing you think about is what's going to control your day. I do it. I wake up at 3 in the morning and think about my, my situations sometimes. Toss and turn, then finally get up at 4 because I'm tired of just laying there. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing because you do it, right? 
right? I'm just, Auntie's over there going, that's me. I mean, I mean, we've all done it. You just get up, you go, ah, 4 o'clock in the morning, get up anyway. You spend the time with the Lord, try to put a Band-Aid on my thought life. <laughs> try to get in the spirit. Try to get, you know, you sit there and go, oh, Lord. And finally, man, you just go, Lord, okay, I'm done with all my practices. Just show up and come. And boom, he comes in and all of a sudden your whole thought life and your whole, your whole posture switches. And you go, Lord, this is you. This is you. This is what, how you want me to walk. And again, that's why I love Peter. This is what he did. He would say something dramatic and huge, screw up. Dramatic and huge, screw up. I mean, this was his life, right? And what the Lord was saying in every time, it's like, Peter, you know, when he chopped off the, ah, no, 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 no. Peter, you're going to deny me, you know. And he was trying to teach him. He goes, Peter, you know, you, don't, you guys don't know what spirit you're from. And I've been in every one of those situations. Peter, you know, don't get angry. And so he's been in all the, I've been in all those situations, and so I relate so much to him, but I want the life that Peter led. I do. I want the life that Peter led. He came to know why he, he not only did the things that the universal calling of all believers, he also did what he was called to do, and he changed the world with a single message after Pentecost. And, it, and that fire lit and kept going. And then he died a horrible death. I mean, it's true, right? He died a horrible death, you know? Now, I, I don't want that. <laughs> I want every part of his life but that part, okay? <laughs> if we could carve that life out, a heinous death, eh, not top five in my life. But you follow what I'm saying? There, there's this, we, we get into our heads of knowledge and think about this life and about what if, and it's like the Lord, why is my life not working? Why was 17 so bad and why every New Year's Eve I make these resolutions or I or declare the next year being better and it hadn't been better in a decade? I mean, I'm just getting real. I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to discourage anybody. But that deficiency is not on God. He's waiting there. The veil is thin. He's waiting on us to pull down everything that he has for us. He's waiting on us to supernaturally draw from all the resources because he's done it all. And he's waiting on us to say, yes, come. Waiting on us to kick the shark, kick the water, and sit, laugh at the sharks and walk in our life to where we get excited about going to work on money. We get excited about waking up with our children because we know that's just part of our life that leads us to somewhere bigger that God has in store for us, that you will raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You will disciple nations. And it starts in, it, with you your family, people here. Everybody goes, I want to go to the nations. Great, start in your neighborhood. And before that, start in you. Because if you can't start in you, you're not going to change anything except your underwear. Maybe. <laughs> if you have bad hygiene, you won't. But you hear me. It's like we want to start with a revival in ourselves. And I kind of preached this message three weeks ago. It's like, we, we can't get past go until we understand that he's right there and part of it is our what if. I, can, I can't see any example of only normal things happening to expectant, faith-filled, faith courageous believers in the Bible. It never said, you know, 
John went to Jerusalem and nothing happened. <laughs> Peter came out after Peter came out after Pentecost, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and did an interpretive dance of his life, and nothing happened. There was not a normal life. We can do normal things within our life, but when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, your life's nothing but normal. Nothing normal about it. It's abnormal to the world because something happens. It's like when Chuck walks in and goes to Lowe's and leaves. Something happens when you encounter somebody and they encounter the presence of God on you. Something happens when someone that feels so unlovable feels loved by the God, by the God that you serve. It's so supernatural. Because I tell you what, if you believe that there's nothing special about you in regards to why you were born, we got to start there. We have to start there. Listen, I know we have all had things in our childhood that never should have happened to us. Lives that never should, things that children should have never experienced or seen. Or adults that never should have been treated a certain way, right? Or bullying by peers or not having friends or being physically um, uh, sick or, you know, in a way that never got healed. We, those are real. Those are real. But they're a testimony. They're the starting point to go out and see a world get transformed. They're a starting point because your dream, you are not defined by your circumstances. You're defined by who God says you are. And when you understand that, your circumstances become little. And so when we what if with God, it changes everything when we want to see revival in this community. It changes everything. Because remember Ephesians 4, I want to read it to you because I, I read it actually a couple weeks ago. And um, I want to read one part of it. Sorry, I should have had it marked. Um, here it is. Ephesians 4, ah, sticky fingers. He said, uh, in here, Paul was talking about for the equipping, that the apostles, prophets, teachers, and pastors, and evangelists, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain two things, to the unity of the faith and to the, and to the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man or woman. Bill Johnson put it this way, you can't get maturity through impartation. You just can't. Someone cannot lay hands on you and say, maturity in Jesus' name. <laughs> Boom. No. Maturity is your, your job. Maturity is your faith. Maturity is your belief. You can't just circle around and say, maturity, spirit of maturity, enter this body. Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to you physically, it doesn't happen to you mentally, and it doesn't happen to you spiritually. You don't just go from one years old to 15. You don't just go from first grade to 12th grade. But there's this process that if we know enough information, I'm mature. No. Has nothing to do with information. Has something to do with can you, kick the, can you laugh at the sharks and kick the water? Can you walk in maturity? Can you understand and discern what's going on in the spirit when you walk into a uh, different environments? 
Does someone telling you you're a jerk cause you to lose your gears? Does someone, does accusation, does you name it, fill in your blank where you sit there and think, well, how should I respond? How should I react? Maturity is something that allows us to discern things from a spiritual maturity with eyes, with the eyes of God. How does that, how does God see that person? How does God see this circumstance instead of the other way around? How do I see it? How does God see it? Behind every offense is usually a wounded person. And believe me, with my personality, I've wounded a lot of people not knowing. And maybe you have. But it's never, it's never intentional. But it's always, you have to understand, it's like somebody's dealing with something we don't know. And so how, how is it that we process that? If we can't get impartation through mature, maturity through impartation, then God takes us through this process just like he took Peter. That we actually have to live out and see where our faith lies in different circumstances. There's, there's no shortcuts to that. What happens when we get fired? Are we going to believe he's our provider? What happens when our boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife break up with us and leave us? What happens when our kids, you know, aren't singing Advent songs in high school, but they're drinking beer? And we think, we, oh, my gosh, how, I'm a horrible parent. What happens when we feel shame, condemnation as our parents? What happens when we feel shame, condemnation from the way we were raised, stuff that happened to us? Things like that. How do we process that? How do we process death? Do we actually believe God is good? Do we actually condemn him for taking something? These are the processes of maturity. Because in these processes, like Peter, man, I would have loved to sit down with Peter at the end of his life. He, you imagine sitting around a fire with Peter toward the end of his life? Yeah, I chopped that guy's ear off right in front of Jesus. So I couldn't hide it. Because we all think we can hide stuff from Jesus. He's an omnipotent God, but he doesn't see me when my door closes. He doesn't see me when my boss leaves the room and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I killing him. <laughs> Sitting down having a fire, talking to Peter. Yeah, that's the little, you know, uh, girl by the fire, maid servant. <laughs> she made me deny Jesus three times. I mean, think about this. We, we think this like this, these stories are out there. No, there are stories. It's us sitting around a fire. It's us sitting around a fire with a bunch of guys or girls. Everyone's just having a good time, and someone brings up Jesus, and we get quiet. Someone has an issue, and, and people are trying to solve them with world answers, and you know you have a, a, you have a heavenly answer to this situation, but this isn't the group. What's different than that than the maidservant that, that, he, that he cowered down to? When we're in those groups, is there a difference? I'm trying to bring reality to our life so we can deal with our lives so that when, as, a, as we're in this awakening and revival, we can carry what, we, what he wants us to carry, that everyone's walking in their God-given gifts, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, where we can actually see you walking in the destiny. Whatever's in you, whatever seed he's put in you can come out and grow into what he wants us so we can all rest under that tree. 
because that's what I desire. Whatever seed he's put in you, I want to rest under that tree. I want to be able to walk over to it and go, wow, look what he's done in your life. This is fantastic. Because you never know what's in you until you start exploring what he has put in you and understanding who you are. Because I tell you what, it's coming. It's coming because I tell you what, you're either going to hear it from someone in here. Hey, let's get real here in your life. This is what I see. This is what I see you doing. The word, we have a prophetic culture here where God's going to speak. And I love it when people get words like, I thought about this since I was seven years old. Now you're telling me. Yes. Because I, wanna, I want God, I want this to be an environment where you're fed. You're fed into what God has put in you. Your seeds are watered to become trees that we can all sit under. And so people can see them from a long way away and go, there's shade, there's refuge. Because other than that, we're just doing church. And you know, you know I despise church. Because I want to see a revival. I want to see awakening, and it starts in us. So we start what if, what ifing with God. So I'm going to use me as a personal story. Everyone, if you're new here, then you don't know this, but I, I, you know, I, grew, I grew up really hard. And if you ask my wife, I was hard in our marriage. But in 2007, sitting after we came, we, we saw a church blow up that we went to, God put a word in me in the middle of this church and saying, when you go back to San Antonio, you're going to start a church. There's a seed. My wife looks at me and says, good luck with that. There's a shark. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I did that for a laugh. Uh, she's not a shark. That was pretty funny, though. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> but, but, you know, all of a sudden, then we, then we tell Jeff and Anne Marie, they're both saying, good luck with that. What I'm saying was it was not received as in the, with the revelation that I felt like I, I got. You know, that you're going to go back to San Antonio and start a church. And, you know, three, three of my favorite people are kind of swimming, you know. <laughs> But that's what happened. And so it's like, okay. So we come back and we're visiting different churches. But he put this seed in me. And there were so many things on the way that could have just distracted said, no. I manage money for professional athletes. I'm on the road a bunch. I'm busy. I'm, my personality. You know, I'm, I, I was thinking of all the things. You know, I'm chopping off ears, you know. <laughs> but it's like you wouldn't sit there and think, like, if anybody knew me, you go ask anybody that grew up with me before I... <laughs> My wife's laughing now. <laughs> Anybody that grew up with me would say, he, passed, he leads the church? <laughs> I mean, on Facebook, when they see me do weddings and funerals and, and they see things, that they go, what happened to Festy? <laughs> but so many times through that process, I easily could have just said, that's not me. That's not for me. I'm, I'm not called to, to uh, do this. And then three years later, in October of... Uh, of 10, he not only he gave me the vision for the church. Three years later, first he told me what we were going to do, you know, what he wanted me to do. Then he told me, okay, Joey, here's how we're going to do it. You know, it's not like you can just tap the brakes to God and say, you know what, I'm out. But you can. You, you actually can. I could easily have said, 
How many of you have used the excuse the holidays to postpone anything into the new year? It's after the holidays. You probably said it like that too, after the holidays. You know, like you do, it's like, I'm too busy right now, after the holidays. You know, we're just kind of hunkering down as a family. And then after the holidays. So it's like you shut down your entire life till after the holidays. In the summer, it's, we'll see you after summer, you know. So I had choices. Kelly and I had choices. Hey, here's the visit to church. Here's, you know, we're, we're, we're with eight people in a house. We're worshiping, you know, and I could have come up with a ton of excuses to say, you know what, we're not going to do this. But then he gave us a vision. And then he asked, do you want this to be your future? And that's when I said yes. That we wanted everything that he had for us in spite of how uncomfortable we were in doing it. In spite of the, I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, he gave us a blueprint, that crazy thing to do. We have leaders from around the country give us words about he gave us a new blueprint on how to do church from a financial advisor for professional athletes. That all, all we did is say yes. And he's bringing incredible people into our lives, people that we would never would have expected. I, I can point to almost everyone in here that he brought into our lives to say, you can run fast alone, right? You all heard this. You can run fast alone, but you can run far together. And he's brought all of you in here with all your different giftings, with all your different callings, and said, let's run together. And as we run together, we're seeing lives changed. And I can almost point to so many people in here that I've seen their lives changed by coming together in community. Marriages saved. Kids restored. Lives restored. And you can just see it on people. Because we can run together a long way. Does that make sense? And so, the future is a yes. Your future is a yes. The dreams that he's put in you, when you're walking with people, you're going to realize what's in you. No matter how much defeat you've had, no matter how much trouble you've had, no matter how much trauma you've had, it's still alive. It's still alive in you. It hasn't left. It's still alive in you. It's still alive in you. And it's still alive in you. It's still alive in you. It's a yes. It's a yes to what God has put in you. It's a yes to allowing him to water it. It's a yes to walk in a community to help you nurture it. It's a yes to help to walk in a community that could put a hedge around you and help beat off the sharks when you can't raise your hand. That when you're tired, that when you wake up on a Monday morning and you can't see Tuesday, and you can call somebody at 10 o'clock at night and say, help me get through this night. Those are the things that excite me. Those are, what, those are the things that what God wants to put not only in you, but to watch you live out by faith in him, in the power of his Holy Spirit. Because I tell you what, all of you sitting here right now, did you ever think you'd be sitting here right now? No. But you said yes to something. Because people, people usually don't come in here and get comfortable. I mean, your first visit here, if you, you know, was probably the most uncomfortable thing you've ever, you knew guys, new people here today, you're probably a little uncomfortable. 
But if you, everyone comes in and gets uncomfortable, because that was my prayer for the church. There'd be no spirit of indifference here. That you would walk in and, and be so filled with the Holy Spirit and transformed, it would change your life forever. Or you would feel so convicted by the Holy Spirit that all the demons would manifest, you'd go running out. <laughs> now, either way, you're going to get delivered, one way or the other. Because one of the callings on my, on my life, I know, is to bring freedom to the captives. He has called me to be a freedom fighter. He's called my wife and I to be a freedom fighter, be forerunners. We know some things that God has put in us to run with. And I run with men that help encourage me in that way. And also rein me back when I'm being too, too, fighting too hard for freedom. <laughs> so those are the things that I know we're called to do. You're talking about a prophetic teacher. My favorite prophetic teacher is my wife. She's the most incredible prophetic teacher. There's things that if I don't understand the word, I go to her and she'll just boo, 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 boo. And we, ha we have these opposite gifts and opposite personalities. <laughs> but at the same time, do you all get that? Is that there's something in you that God wants to bring out of you. And I don't want you to delay it. I hate using the term miss it. People always say, well, you can miss your destiny. I just, I don't buy that. I believe you can delay it because if you're in a community that's, that's for you, then we're going to call out of you what's in you. And we're going to, what is in you? What is in you? And whatever's in you, can you what if with God about it? This is a time right here to what if with God. Because he is that good. We sang the song, he is that good. And he wants to see you transformed. I'm almost done. We're going to go because I have something else I want to say. And so here, and so what the dream is in you. And so when we talk about the future of the church, here's kind of the announcement I was going to make. In the future of the church, Never before, if you would look at the way I processed, would I, would I ever think of us in here forever? I mean, on a good night, we're standing. But I also know what God's called us to do together. He desires us to have our own place. And I dream with God, and Kelly dreams with God, and Chuck and Anna dream with God, and Amory and Jeff, we dream with God all the time about where is that place? Where is that place that you want to put something down that will be not a, not a, not a, uh, a shrine, not this huge building, but a place where people could tabernacle with God? A people that could... That they could almost see the star of David over it saying, this, this is where lives are transformed. Not because of, not just, not because of a man, not because of a woman, not because of leaders, but because of people and what God's doing. That it's actually so transparent in community that people go, what is it about this place? That it's like, you know, almost like a, 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 a mosquito to a mosquito buzzer, zapper. It's like, I got to come here because something's going to change. Unlucky for the mosquito, he dies. But, <laughs> but a zapper where all of a sudden, you know, you're flying into this place going, I'm going there to get transformed. I'm going there to get transformed. Something's happening there. People are going in there just full of baggage, coming out clean. And I, that's what I want. Not because, not because of a man, not because of some message, but because there's, the Holy Spirit resides in there, and he, wants to, and he wants to set you free. From whatever you're dealing with, he wants to set you free. And so when I see the future of the church, I see a place like that. And we put a contract on a piece of property three, about 
uh, three and a half acres about a mile down the road, Austin Highway. We don't know, we are, you know, hey, I'm going to do this. What if he, we get it? What if he wants us to do, you know, when I, when I stepped on the property for the first time, I went with John Gaines. John Gaines and uh, Drew Smith found it for us. And we walked out of there. And when I stepped on the property, I go, this is it. Because he said, the one thing I was talking to John about, dream with me, Joey. Dream with me here. And it got my dreaming juices flowing. Uh, so I, I, John and I called Kelly. She said, where are you? She goes, well, I'm coming by the house. Keep coming. You know, so got her there. She walked on. Where's Chuck? Well, I'm going to go meet Chuck. So I brought Chuck back, and we walk on. It's just like this, yes. And I said, what I want to do is dream with God. We have no idea. You know, we don't know if we're going to get it. We put an offer on. We don't know if he's going to sell it to us or not. It's an 86-year-old man that's held the property for four years. It's been three and a half acres with nothing on it just down the road. A blank canvas waiting to be painted on. In all this Austin Highway development, three and a half acres, raw land. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's something special. Because we can dream with God. And we don't just dream as a leadership team, we dream as a people. Can you dream with God? Can you actually see this coming? Can you what if with God that if we actually had a place that had a place to have coffee, had ministry rooms in it, had a place for women's Bible study, a, a place to do deliverance, a place that the homeless could come in and we could feed with a food yeah. bank, a people that in need could walk in and get fed, both spiritually and physically. Can you see it? Because I can. And I want to go, I want everyone to go. So from a financial advisor back 10 years ago hearing you're going to start a church to a yes, to a vision, to a future. That's your life. Everything that looks behind you is, is nailed to the cross. You look forward in your life. All the failures you've had, all the things you could have done better, all the what-ifs. Believe me, I what-if myself to death sometimes. But all the what-ifs in your life need to be cast away and say, what if God is this good? What if God put something in me that I knew has always been there? I've just been afraid to walk it out. So I want all of you to understand one thing. You all have a unique DNA with a common thread of a fingerprint of the Father on your lives. What's that fingerprint? Is in on you? It does not leave. So what is it in you that needs to be watered? That's what I want your prayer life to be about. What is it in you that you can what if with God about dreams that you have? I don't care how big they are. Share them with somebody in here about your dreams, about something you feel is a destiny on your life. I don't care how big, but, but if it can be accomplished by you, it's not you. I mean, it's not God. If you can just do it yourself, you're not dreaming big enough. If you can actually do it yourself, you know, if you're one of those people that have to have all your eggs in the right carton, it's going to be hard for you. Because God, I tell you, he likes to put all your eggs in the washing machine. <laughs> right? I mean, he likes to put them in an egg beater and rack them up and say, and then we go, oh, God, this must be the devil. My life. It's like, no. He just wants to control your life, and you want to control your life. 
and you're losing. Because it's not work, no worky. It's not working your way. It's working his way. And so that's what I want to encourage you for is to be able to say, hey, allow the uncomfortable to be comfortable. Allow the supernatural to be natural. And around, allow your destiny and your calling on your life, beyond the universal calling on your life, to be forefront in your prayer life so you can see God water it and use people in here to nurture it. Because you have a big life to live. I'm 53 years old. I plan on doing better, bigger things than I did the first 53 years of my life. I have not, I have not quit. I don't want you to quit. Just because you've made mistakes, let's move forward. Is this minister anybody tonight? Yeah. Let's stand up, then I have one more thing to say before you stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Let's just reach up to the Lord. Father, I just declare a new day. I declare, I declare that people would see the calling on their life through your eyes. That, Father, you would give them bigger dreams than they had when they walked in here, Father. That you would just ignite and put fire to the dreams that they have had and carried for all these years. Whatever those dreams are, Father, I, I just pray that you would just push fire into those dreams right now in Jesus' name. That you would just ignite them to the forefront, the forefront of their thought life and their prayer life. They would just submit it unto you, submit it unto others, Father. They would give, you would give people big God ideas. Father, no matter who they are, what they've gone through, Father, there would be zero condemnation in Christ. Zero condemnation, zero shame, zero fear. They would step out of the boat, just like Peter did, stand next to Jesus and said, who's next? They would have the faith to take on lions. That they would kick the sh laughter at the sharks and kick at the waves and step out of the boat. I just declared a new time, Lord, a new time, a new way of thinking. Give these, I just declare over you now, right now, a spirit of courage and a spirit of revelation to hear God's voice and to who he says you are and what you're called to do. I just declare it a new day in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, sit down for one second, guys. Sit down one second. We're all family here. Please don't leave if you're here. Give me, give me 10 seconds. And the reason I say this is family. Hang on one second. No one leave. Um, it's Christmas. It's a week toward Christmas. And as you know, uh, months ago I shared a message on we share all things in common, right? You all remember that giving message where everybody came forward and started giving money? Um, it's Christmas, and there's people that are going to be challenged to make Christmas for their children. There's going to be challenged to make Christmas for themselves, food, gifts, things like that. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. But in family, people let people know what their needs are. And the family rallies around. We did it that night, and I really feel it's one of those nights tonight. That if there's people that have a need, that if you can't make Christmas for your children, you can't make Christmas for yourself, that you, you're not going to have food or clothing, and you, ne and you need um, some help from the body, I want you to raise your hand so we can minister. I want you to stand up. And if you don't, that's fine. If you do, we want, we want to help. This is what the body's for. Because this Christmas, we don't want anybody, there we go. Anybody else? Anybody else? Because when you see, when we see need, we either respond, right? We respond because when the people come forward, we just respond out of love. 
Go ahead. Anyone else? Guys, this is the time. This is the time. We don't want anybody. Okay, now, if you, if you know of anybody that has need, that aren't here, you have families that live near you, somebody that's near you that you know they need toys for their kids or food on their table, now you raise your hand. You, okay. Yes? Okay, y'all stand up and, and um, you want to give them some? To ask, just ask them what the situation is and then give them accordingly. No one else has need around them in their families or friends or neighbors? This is, this is good stuff, guys. This is, good. this is God wants to feed some people. God wants to help. And so this is a chance for our body to be able to sow into families we don't even know. No one gets, yeah. If you have somebody in mind, stand up so we can get you the, what, what it is. Um, the reason we're doing this is that no one, we're not trying to get credit for anything. We know there's families in need. We want to help them. And we want you to know, know that God sees them. That God provides to people you don't even know. If he can feed a prophet with, from a sparrow, why couldn't he feed people from uh, Target gift cards? Right? Yeah. Also, if anybody has, has anybody put on your heart somebody um, that, like, that you might think you want to minister to that might have a need, that you wanted to give them something tangibly, stand up. Here, you want to hand, some of these people are standing, you want to hand them up. Okay, if you got to go, you can go now. But we just want, I mean, some of the people in the back had to go. But if there's something, you have, you have somebody? Who is it? Fantastic. Just grab one. Who's yours? Here, we'll go ahead and go. Who's yours? Who's yours? Yeah, there's nobody else. Okay, good. Who's yours? There's nobody. There's $150. Okay. Anyone else? This is just, we, we, we want to be able to see supp- needs supplied for people because there's nothing worse than going through Christmas with your kids have nothing under the table or nothing on the table to eat or no toys. Is that it? God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas.